0: Hello listeners, it's Dustin and Connor dropping in right before the podcast you're about to listen to, to um, talk about some unfortunate news and uh, to give our stance on some stuff. So, you're about to listen to a review of one of the original Spyro the Dragon video games, one of the three original PlayStation games. Um, You know, we're going to drop this message in front of all of them. Recently the publisher of the remakes of those games, Spyro the Reading Night Trilogy, uh, published by Activision Blizzard, has come under some pretty heavy fire for uh, their treatment of in particular women in the workplace. Um, we won't just we won't discuss like the particulars here. Uh, we talked about them on a report a little bit, but there's also just better sources for that. Uh, one link we will drop in the description. Uh, an excellent uh, IGN article by Cat Bailey. Um, I read it this morning. It's pretty. It, it's some gnarly stuff. So just a warning on that. But yeah, we wanted to come uh, before the, uh, these episodes to talk about uh, just just to really discourage people from buying new Activision Blizzard products. Um, you know, Connor, I think it's fair to say we're about to give, you know, no matter which episode, a pretty positive review um, of the Reignited specifically version of Spyro.
1: Yeah, and I think we might have actually said you know check out the reignited trilogy version because those are like good and easy to get um we would discourage you from buying them new or digitally because that directly supports this company that is doing some pretty heinous actions um so if you can find it used that would be a much preferred way of getting it otherwise you know just find the originals those would also be a good way of doing it and then um you know, there's always definitely not emulation, is definitely not an option to you. <laughs>
0: I mean, you're joking. I'm just going to say it. Go ahead and emulate them. It's fine. <laughs> go ahead and emulate the originals. If you, you know, in this case, I'm going to say it. If you, if you have the know how to pirate stuff, go ahead. Just don't support this company new right now. Um, which is unfortunate, I can already, you know, I can hear some people saying, but isn't it all on the Blizzard side of Activision? It's like, yeah, but also that money goes to the publisher, and it's really unfortunate. I feel terrible for the workers there, as anybody should. Um, and there's that's where your support should go. So if you're curious about Spyro, they're great games, they were great games back in the day, they're still great games. You know, find a way to obtain them that doesn't involve supporting Activision. I would recommend maybe if you have a local used game store or something, go support them. Instead of um, you know this large corporation who honestly doesn't deserve your money. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I want to say thank you for for listening to us and um, yeah enjoy the review. It, it's we had a lot of fun making these. Um, they're they're good times, but yeah just just once again please don't buy new. <laughs> However you obtain it, just don't buy new.
1: Yep, and enjoy the episode. Yes.
0: Bye. Hello and welcome to another fiery episode of Save Station Radio, where this week we will be talking about Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage. I am your usual host, Dustin, and with me is Connor. Hello there. How you doing?
1: Doing well, just ready to talk about Spyro. You uh, listeners in the European areas, in specifically Europe and Australia, you might know this as Spyro 2, Gateway to Glimmer um although i believe reignited just calls it ripto's rage as well right
0: yep it does originally released november 2nd 1999 of course once again developed by insomniac games so only just a, a year, year after, after, the, after first the first game first one. yeah yep. we probably won't talk about it in these episodes or maybe next time we'll see we'll see how much extra content we can we can shove in but as we talked about with the crash episodes universal was publishing uh both naughty dog and insomniac games and um, what we know from those early years, lots of, lots of unfortunate crunch, lots of unfortunate development, which would explain the, the quick time, the quick turnarounds on these games. Yeah, Universal, not not a great place to be <laughs> in the late 90s. But we do have some background stuff for you. Um, you like you said, uh, named Gateway to Glimmer in PAL regions and PAL territories, um, which I, I always thought was a bad name. <laughs> it should be Gateway to Avalar, but that's just my opinion. Because <laughs> Glimmer is just the first stage
1: yep that's the start of the plot now the rest of it
0: when diving into this game in particular i've had it kind of hard to find hard development facts i think because of that year around your you know your turnaround time there's just not a ton in there there was a couple of things i didn't put in there we'll probably save it for next time uh we did get some early builds of spyro 2 and 3 recently released out into the internet you can play um, and there's some some stuff in there, but as, as far as, like, development facts and stuff, it's really hard. Um, one of the most famous ones you've probably heard of before is that Ripto, the main villain of this game, and this game's namesake, was conceived because of the way Spyro looked in Japanese, like, the word Spyro. It looks like it says Ripto in English. I've heard that a thousand times. Connor's heard that a thousand times. Like, if you've watched YouTube videos on this stuff, you've heard that a thousand times. Had a hell of a time finding an official source for that. <laughs>
1: so yeah and we could ended up not really finding an official source anyway the earliest mention i could find was in 1999 there was a playstation official magazine in um i'm not sure the exact month for it i'll leave a link for it though and on one page there's a little infographic that shows the japanese title and it says the name for ripto came from this but it doesn't have any like actual developers saying that or mentioning any of that there's no quotes to find it's just this thing that they say so that's about as official a source as i could get but still not hard proof i guess
0: yeah so i i went back and i found um some interesting stuff on reignited um and i did find some interesting stuff for 2 too but it's just not a lot so i found this comic-con panel they did before reignited came out which i can't believe i hadn't watched because it's really good no one mentioned it again at the end Um, link will be in the description but talking about sort of development it had a bunch of developers from insomniac so from the original team and then it had people from toys for bob as well as Stuart copeland uh stefan oh i can't remember his last name who's the composer who did the updated tracks and then um it had tom candy on it so lots of people (laughs) uh to talk about talk about this it's an hour long and it's really good um but I, i pulled some some things from there uh, apparently Spyro apparently Insomniac uh the original Insomniac team had some heavy involvement with Spyro's character redesign they were they were joking about Ted Price being quite picky actually about it which I thought interesting and cool
1: and yeah for Reignited Spyro's design is really good
0: yeah and it makes sense it, it is very much it does it does harken back to classic Spyro while still being new so it does check out that they to the original designers um it makes sense. It's not like, you know, Toys for Bob's other interpretation of Spyro, which is Skylanders, which looks nothing like him. <laughs> um, uh, so, that that was a nice thing to read, or to listen to. Um, Toys for Bob intentionally made Spyro more puppy and kitty-like, was their words, and that totally comes across, across in Reignited. All his little idle animations of him stretching and yawning and stuff like that, it's very adorable and it does look like a puppy.
1: Yeah, and the one where he licks his paw and then rubs it on his head like a cat. Like yeah, yeah, you could very clearly see that.
0: Yeah, or even the way he runs, you know, like his his gait. It's it's very good. Uh just just some interesting things here. Uh in, in the original games, each level could only be around 6,000 polygons. Uh Spire himself was around 250. Uh in the original PS1 games, uh they were joking about there's more polygons than that in his like eyeball in uh, reignited which is funny um, Yeah the,
1: the difference in technology really makes yeah. it. but this game still uses the same level of detail engine that the first game did so you kind of have to render most of the level at once to be able to see far in the distance so having that polygon limit is tough
0: yeah for sure this, this i found really interesting uh so unfortunately spyro is one of the many many games around this time where the source code was just lost Um, We don't have access to it anymore, which is a shame. So Toys for Bob didn't have that to build this uh, remake on top of. So what they did is they created a custom tool called Spiroscope. And what this would do, run over an emulator running the games, and from that they would be able to extract the level geometry and even um, AI patterns and AI movement so they could use that uh, in the Regneta trilogy, which I thought was quite interesting.
1: Yeah, and that probably saved a lot of time than doing it manually, having to analyze just the original frame by frame or get the measurements just right. So,
0: yeah, pretty smart. So that was some of the stuff I extracted from that panel. There's a lot more. It's definitely worth watching, um, if you if you got the time and want something. Um, this other stuff I pulled from a video from Canadian guy A, who's a YouTuber who does a lot of Spyro and Crash stuff. Uh, this stuff I liked because. This was a 10 facts you don't know about Spyro, but he actually interviewed the original character designer from Spyro 2, so I trust these facts, unlike 99% of the articles I found, which were just like a bunch of facts of those sources. So thank you, Canadian Guy A. Props to you for doing even the minor amount of work that that requires. <laughs> I got beef with the internet with this one, guys. So just some stuff I pulled from that, and again, there's more stuff in there than just this, so definitely give that video a watch link will be in the description spiral one was meant to have a water world which i think is really interesting
1: yeah because spiral one if you touch the water you got hurt yeah
0: yeah no swimming in that game it was going to feature amish dolphin riders presumably as enemies and an underwater dragon boss which i think is cool interestingly the boss stage for the underwater dragon boss was recycled as aquaria towers specifically the top half of that level where if you know that it'll be where you do the hunter mini game where you're riding the dolphin and stuff like that. Uh which makes sense. Like playing that area in the game, it does feel like something where you could place a boss battle. Like it's circular, it's large. Um that checks pretty, out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty open. It has a little bit of a hidey hold so that you can duck into. So yeah, really interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh originally Moneybags was envisioned to be a rhino, a rhino instead of a bear. I, I like the design of money bags personally, so I'm I'm glad they stuck with the bear.
1: Oh yeah, in both versions, honestly.
0: Yeah. And then Alora was originally meant to be a centaur, but because of the limited polygon count, they just made her a fawn. Two legs instead of four.
1: Yeah, just half of a centaur. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which I find to be it's that like creative limitations thing, which I think is charming. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, there's some stuff about the prototypes that came out. Not that long ago, but I think we'll save those for Spyro Spyro 3, uh, because I don't think we're going to have that much information to pull from for that either. So, we'll come back to that later. But, I do want to talk about the Japanese versions of Spyro 1 and 2. uh, Because they are quite different from the versions we got in America and the PAL territories. Like, different in, like, surprising ways. Like, I can't think of another game that has this many differences between territories. It's kind of wild, honestly. The first thing everybody will notice is the zoomed out camera angle, um, especially in Spyro 1. It almost zooms it out to like an isometric perspective at times.
1: That's wild.
0: (laughs) It's quite odd. And it doesn't really work (laughs) because it gets caught on walls and stuff. I put it in a let's play of it. You can just skip around and see for yourself. Um, It doesn't really work all that well. Uh, They also decreased his movement speed a lot. Uh, which including the charge, the let's play I put in said it felt like the top charging speed was his top walking speed, (laughs) and it looks like that in the video. It looks bad. (laughs) Like it is. How do you even do stuff like
1: treetops then?
0: That's a great question. I don't know. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) And this seems like a lot of work that's put into something that is not necessary or good.
0: (laughs) Yep, it adds tutorial signs like all over the place so in um in artisans in the first game there's just tutorial signs everywhere and i say tutorial signs i can't read them obviously but i assume that's what they are um which weren't in the final which weren't in the other releases
1: yeah that's weird because they're just like you can figure it out normally just by playing the game but also the dragons were there to tell you stuff that might have been different so yeah
0: that's the thing is the dragons were in the tutorials so i i find that really interesting the most interesting thing here is they added dragonfly eggs if you had the pocket station connected. Which, if you don't know, the pocket station was basically Sony's answer to the Dreamcast's VMU.
1: Something they did not need to compete with, but okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It did not come over out over here as far as I know. Um, just, just Japan only. I'm not sure what you could do with the dragonfly eggs once you got them. I assume you could raise them, maybe? Like a Tamagotchi on that thing?
1: Yeah, because if you're not familiar, the Pocket Station and the VMU were memory cards that had a screen and buttons on them. So, and I think we mentioned this in the Sonic Adventure episode, but for those on Dreamcast with the VMU, you could put your chow in there and then raise them like a little Tamagotchi on your little portable memory card. So I would assume that's kind of what that is, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, um, but really interesting. It's one of the things about Reignited that I'm like, oh, I wish I had put those collectibles back in. But, but yeah, just an interesting little artifact there. It, it is worth noting, Spyro 2's camera is a lot closer. It looks slightly better, but when you charge in that game, it doesn't zoom in like it does on the um, NTSC and PAL releases, which, again, is odd. <laughs> it's very odd. Um, the story goes that they were concerned about the difficulty uh, for Japan, and that's why those changes weird. happened.
1: That's wild because... the those games are not difficult at all
0: they're not uh but i'm not sure about the validity of that for sure but if that's how the story goes um it, and i would buy that like those changes were well no meaning but because of the hectic development of these games that they just didn't get implemented properly <laughs> they seem kind of last minute which is what it is um and i i believe spyro 3 never got a japanese release which would make sense given the quality of these versions
1: yeah if you release two bad games you don't get the third one <laughs>
0: yeah which is it's a shame that that all happened because i you know i would be willing to bet spyro could be quite popular over there
1: (laughs) oh yeah well if you look at the box art you could see that his design is different for the main like promotional art i don't know in game is probably the same model but he looks a lot more cutesy in there and i'm like this could work as like a japanese mascot platformer
0: oh yeah Crash did
1: all right in japan so
0: oh yeah um and definitely go look at the alternate box arts for these games, for PAL and Japan, because um, they're different from the American one, which is, again, interesting. Side note, I've really, oh, I've always hated the PAL art. <laughs> it's, it's not uh, great. I, I like the American art a lot, but like the PAL one has always been weird to me. It's got this weird like motion blur effect on his tail. It, it looks distracting and weird, but that's just me. <laughs> so yeah, that is some Spyro 2, Spyro what and 2 facts really for you. Let's talk about Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage. I, I'm i going to assume you don't have any history with this. because Nope,
1: my history is the same as last time. I just played it for the first time for this review. Um, But for this review, I only played the Reignited version. I did not play the original PS1 version. Just because I didn't I have it. I played
0: so. both. And 100% both. Fair uh, enough. Cause...
1: What's your history with this game? Uh, So... Much like the first
0: game, I was enamored with it. Um, th- these games, as a kid, they got better and better to me. Uh, this game... So this is going to sound a bit cheesy, but, like, I think this game was the first time I ever thought about video games doing world-building, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because the first game is very classic platformer, very segmented levels, you know, but but the level, they all feel like video game levels. This game has specific npcs to each level they reference other levels and other npcs it really feels more of like a world and i feel like as a kid that grabbed my attention and made this game feel a lot bigger like that's the thing i remember about this game the most is it felt so much bigger to me than the last game um even though level wise i think it actually has less (laughs) but it's it was like mind-blowing to me on that level where i was like i can't believe there's there's this much here look look at all these worlds there are um and they're all so different whereas the first game kind of used the sort of typical platformer structure of oh you you're in this world so all the levels kind of look like this world whereas this one you get to these different areas and all the levels are completely differently themed areas so i think as a kid it it kind of blew my mind in that way And, and i remember this being the first time a video game was like oh wow look at look at how much stuff there is <laughs> like it, it it holds a special place in my heart for that in particular
1: and even playing it now you know now in 2021 the i still think that holds up like obviously it's not super deep but i think that charm of having you know there's two different levels that have their different npcs but they talk about being in a war against each other and like money bags will reference that he wants to open a restaurant in this other level like that's super cool and it's adds to the charm of these already really visually impressive levels on both versions and really expressive characters so yeah great stuff even to this day i think
0: yeah uh, agreed um you know I, i don't have any memories of this you know in particular like last time i I think I just got it for Christmas or birthday one year and yeah, I, I utterly adored this game. Um, so your first
1: time playing it, what'd you think? Um, I'm, this one's kind of a mixed bag for me. Um, I think in more ways than not, it is better than the first game, but there are some aspects that I think it falls flat on. Um, namely the swimming (laughs) i don't think the swimming controls are all that great and they make you do a lot of it and Mm -hmm. every time it's like okay here do this big swimming section i'm like oh okay um
0: so what if i told you this is a reignited problem (laughs) the swimming yeah so for some reason and i remember them talking about this pre-release and being mystified by it They talked about how they wanted to make the swimming feel more realistic and have it have more floatiness to it,
1: which I don't understand putting realism in cartoon platforms It's
0: dumb. It's really dumb because if you go watch any review of this game, and I agree, everybody talks about how good the swimming is in Spyro games because it's pinpoint like you could turn on a dime in those games. It's super accurate. It's really fun. It feels like basically it feels like flying almost And it it feels great in the original releases. So, like, those changes to Reignited are a legitimate bumper.
1: It's like... Yeah, because that's my main complaint with that, is that it's really, like, you turn really quickly and you can get really disoriented easily and you get all kinds of turned around. So, hearing that in the original, that's not an issue, that makes this game a lot better, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, it's ten times better than the original. I, I think it is mystifying to me that they... If they went that route for reignited it, it almost makes me think maybe they couldn't replicate it and they' were just trying so they just to play it up as a positive it, yeah. yeah i don't know it, it's a wild decision though. <laughs> anyway sorry um, you were critiquing but the
1: flight controls like if they just made it flight controls but underwater i feel like it probably would have been better so i don't know which
0: it's not even that in the original it is very much like you could just turtle to dive it's
1: i, I, I oh, think it is strange. like
0: a 10 out of 10 example of underwater levels being done right because video games usually mess that up And so I find it really frustrating that (laughs) that it was altered for Reignited.
1: But Reignited being the version I played, that's the low point. I think the level design overall is a lot better. It does this really great thing, which the first game did as well, where there's like a linear path to the end, but then there's a lot of offshoots. This one does, there's a couple offshoots, When you're going towards the end, and then once you get there, they're like, Okay, here's the entire level. Like a lot of the stuff you probably won't see until after you've already reached the end of the level, but there's a lot more to see, and they just open the whole level up after that. So they'll give you a quick travel to like the highest point so you can just float up there. Or in some levels, there's just like a couple locked doors, and then they just open, and here's the whole level. And I really like that. As someone who knew going in that they were going to 100% this it was really cool to be like okay I can just kind of cruise along and get some collectibles as I go and then once you get to the end of the level you scour for everything which is what I did in the first game this just feels like the level design embraced that a little bit more
0: yeah totally um I, I think it's great I think they they for a lot of the missions or levels in this game I think that they took the the, like, Stone Hill approach from the first game, where, like, the end portal in that game is basically two two feet from the start, you know? Like, you could jump into that level and finish it within five seconds, but it's not until you explore that you find the whole level and there's more stuff to discover, and I agree, I think a lot of the missions here feel that way, where it's, like, easy, linear, main path to the end, it's quite simple, and then you go exploring and find other NPCs that'll give you missions or just treasure or whatever it is you need to find.
1: And I think it works that there is this sort of linear path to the end rather than just opening it up like a, something like a Mario 64 level, you know, where they just drop you in they're like, okay, have fun. Um, I kind of like having this linear path through it because then you get your bearings on the, um, the environment and you kind of make a mental picture of the area. So then when you're presented with, okay, go find these things as a quest, then you kind of know what you're looking for and how to get there. Which, to be fair to Mario 64, they also do by saying here's the main star and you go and you get to the end of the level, but here it's a little bit more deliberate. Nothing's super stopping you from like exploring as you go, but once you get to the end, then you already have a map of the place and you can kind of piece it together from there.
0: Right. So this game is a little controversial for adding backtracking to levels how did you handle that was that a big deal to you or
1: um you know sitting here thinking about that I think the reason these levels and this series so far has clicked with me is my love for the metroidvania genre where it's (laughs) that sort of feeling where you think about where you've been and where you haven't and then you explore where you haven't and then just clean out a place of all it has that's a feeling that I love in metroid games specifically Um, as well as, you know, the Metroidvania Castlevania games, where you're just going and exploring everything you possibly can. And a large part of Metroidvania games is backtracking, and that has never really bothered me. So, you know, I think the main joy you get from playing a Spyro game is just moving around and figuring out where you can get to with your moves. And whether you're going forwards or backwards in a level, that gameplay is still consistently fun so i don't have an issue with it at all
0: cool yeah i i mostly agree um it is interesting to see that criticism though and i i don't think people are wrong for it but it is definitely one of those things that like maybe it's because i played this kid too where like it was always amazing to me to get to go back to it all because i wasn't 100% in levels as a kid because i was bad at it but like you know going back to level and realizing oh i could climb up here now and like there oh there's more gems and there's oh there's this is dickhead chef you know like up here frying up some turtles it's like you know like that stuff was cool to me and and i feel like i've carried that over as an adult but you mentioned the moves let's talk about what this adds so unlockable moves uh over the first game they add the ability to climb certain surfaces so certain ladders and stuff they add underwater swimming which we mentioned earlier and they add a head bash move which is basically ground pound but more importantly than all those, and I think the single greatest addition this game adds, uh, maybe other than it's like world building, which I quite love, is the hover, which maybe isn't the greatest name because I think it's it's a weird name because it's not actually a hover. but
1: Yeah, it's like a really strange version of a double jump. Yes. And I I love this move. So basically what it does is at the end of your glide you can push the, on PlayStation it's the triangle button, Um, you could push that, which is essentially the flight cancel button, but if you do that at the end of your glide, you get some additional height to maybe help you clear a ledge that you couldn't before. It is extremely satisfying to pull off, and it's something that just naturally adds to the abilities you had without being gimmicky, that you're going to use it a lot, and it always feels good to do so.
0: Yes, it's a brilliant addition to Spyro's moveset. I love what it does to the level design because it allows them to create ledges that you think you wouldn't be able to make. You'd be able to make, but then you glide over them, you barely make it with your hover, and it feels so satisfying. I, I I think it is one of those things that is like really inspired. It also adds more depth, uh, to a mechanic, you know, to the gliding mechanic, which was quite easy and simple before. I think mean, it's still easy, but like it's it just makes it feel more interactive.
1: Yeah, well, what's great about the hover is that it's not it functions similar to a double jump but it's not a double jump. It very clearly it is not. You have to do it after you've been gliding for a bit. So you can't jump, glide a little bit and then use that as a double jump. You have to glide and then use it otherwise it doesn't work. So you're not going to be abusing it to double jump and make every jump feel the same. You're going to use it as a little bit of extra momentum to your glide which is going to make you kind of think about where you want to start as well as end the glide, rather than the end of the glide is always going to be when you land.
0: Yeah, totally. It it, it also just like, I, I mean, I don't know about you, the first time playing this as an adult, but the first, playing it as a kid, it introduced a danger factor to the gliding, which I mean, it kind of had the original too. It's like, am I going to be too short? Uh, but this one, it always felt like, am I going to be too short? Am I going to be too short? Oh, I could save myself. And it, you know, it always felt like you were doing that, even though the level is designed for it. You know, nine times out of ten, I think that's what's brilliant about the level design here, is it kind of makes you feel like certain jumps would, would be impossible, you know, but then you have that and it feels good to nail it.
1: Well, and it does add, however small, a tiny bit more amount of challenge to it because you are, you do have to have a good reaction time to push the hover at the right time to be able to make it, so... It adds a little bit more depth and difficulty without it being punishing or extremely challenging to do. This move is a great addition.
0: Yeah, 100%. The other moves are very situational. They're not really... I guess the head bash is used to take out a couple enemies that are specific for it. But like the climbing, it's going to be where there's ladders and the swimming is going to be where there's water.
1: That was my only other gripe is that the climbing is kind of slow. I don't know if that's changed for Reignited, but I found myself when I was, ever I was climbing, I would just jump up the ladder and then just stick oh, and yeah. jump and stick and jump because it's faster. But
0: um, Yeah, it's definitely something that they could have sped up like, for Reignited specifically.
1: Yeah, but that's a minor complaint, honestly. I want to talk
0: about how you acquire these moves because I think it is another fantastic addition to this game uh, in the form of Moneybags, who is an NPC... Who follows you around and harasses you for your money. <laughs> I love many bags for several reasons. Hey, I think he's just a fun he's just a fun character. Like he's a d- douchey rich guy. Like <laughs> he's great, you know, always getting you gems. Um, but the other reason I like him is a mechanical one. Uh, We talked about last time about the gates to get to certain worlds in the first Spyro and how those are kind of laughable. If you're even remotely trying to collect everything, you're never going to see them. It's largely the same here. Like, you're probably never going to see a progression gate in this game if you're, you know, combing levels. But Moneybags is persistent and he shows up all the time. Like, almost every level, not everyone, but quite a few of the levels, you will run into Moneybags and he will halt your progress and ask for some money. (laughs) He's going to want those gems. And, you know, you're probably never going to be short on gems with him. But I like it because it it always puts that in the back of your head. Like, I need to be collecting gems because I might run into money bags. And I think that that is such a brilliant design thing. And it kind of does solve the problem of the collectibles feeling a little unneeded in the first game. I, I think it is, like, brilliant design-wise. Because it always makes you think, like, oh, I'm going to run into him. I'm going to have to pay him to open up a level or to give me a move or to, you know open a door raise a bridge because he's an yeah, asshole and he just, won't let me pass it just gives
1: purpose to the collectibles in a way that the first game didn't other than you know the balloonist requirements but yeah it gives it so that you are collecting things for a purpose and that purpose is not just okay i get to go to the next world it's okay i can get this part of the level or okay i can get this new move when i get to the next hub world and i think that's just really great you know moneybags might be an absolute scumbag and you just don't like him as a person but he is a great game mechanic and he's still charming when he shows up so
0: it works. It was great uh i love it reignited when you when you flame that asshole he like grabs his gym bag <laughs> it's
1: like it's no like, these are mine i yeah. earned them he's like that's square. what
0: he cares about most <laughs> he's defending those um he, he's also just a fun character whenever he shows up i'm like Oh yeah, this guy. Side note, when you play Spyro 3, make sure you answered no to all his questions first. Because there's some pretty good dialogue there. (laughs) The other thing this game adds, how did you feel about the power-up gates?
1: Um, I really like the power-up gates, I think. the This is kind of an extension of the first game, and it's... I mean, the fairies gave you the super flame, and then there was one level where you could fly, and then the dash was on certain floors. This kind of just streamlines that into, here's a gate that gives you the temporary power-up, and I I really like that, because then you always know where you're going to go to get it, but then also the other thing this game adds is the spirit orbs the spirit particles so whenever you kill an enemy they don't drop gens anymore they drop spirit orbs that then their once soul again...
0: leaves their flesh and you use it to power yourself up
1: <laughs> <laughs> good thank you but with those once you kill enough enemies then the power up gate activates so if you pass a power up gate when you're going through which the game does a lot where you haven't met the requirement yet you know that okay, once I get that requirement, that's where I can find a power-up and there's going to be something there that I can do. Usually for a side quest, maybe just to make exploration easier. I think having that as a way of not just, okay, here's this power-up that you need to progress, or maybe do like a, one other thing, like the supercharge pads where this is like, okay, I here's the power-up you can use for the level. You're going to, once you get far enough in the level to have defeated enough enemies for it, then you get to use it, which I, I really liked. I liked seeing as you go through seeing one that's not available and then wondering, like, what power up it's going to be, what it's going to do, how it's going to change things. The other thing about it is that, um, pretty much every level has one. I'm not sure if there's an exception to that, but I'm pretty sure every level oh, has one. Yeah, so it's not as situational as it was before, where every level has it and they're going to be used some ways but there's still only like three of them so they're going to be used in different ways you're going to be experimenting with these power ups as you get them and yes they're still on a time limit but then you have to use them effectively for that situation and um yeah they're fun power ups it's the same ones it's the supercharge, the flight and the super flame as well as there's um what armor to protect against dangerous floors? Yeah, and there's an is there an ice power up at one there point? Is.
0: Yeah, in Cloud okay. Temples.
1: Yeah, so they're they're not too different from before, and they still can be kind of situational, but they're used more frequently to make them more versatile. I think.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I like them a lot too. Um, and it it's another one of those things that encourages you to go out of your way to to kill more enemies. And it does the smart platformer design thing, too, where there's always more enemies than you need in the levels. You never have to worry about, like, finding one. This game, I'd like the first game. It requires you to reach the end of every level to get a talisman, at least for the first two worlds. The last world doesn't do that. Personally, I don't mind that, because, again, I think these levels are designed for that. They're short. So running to the end to get that talisman, I think it's fine. It does kind of, you know, shoo away some of the design of the... The first game where you could kind of do whatever you want. You kind of hop in and out of levels if you want. But I don't know. I like it. I think each level has its own little mini narrative too. That you can get to experience. So personally I, I enjoyed that a lot. I, did, did that work for you?
1: Yeah. I mean I didn't really mind either way. Because I was the kind of person that would do everything anyway. So.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's the kind of thing. A lot of these changes you're not going to notice if you're a completionist.
1: <laughs> but yeah. I could see why that would be something to be like okay it actually incentivizes you to finish all of the levels at least in the first two worlds rather than you know skipping over being like i don't really need it like it encourages you to see a lot more of the game and it ensures that the player is going to get to the end of the level which is the point when the level opens up so you know the player is going to be here at some point so then you can branch off from there and show the rest of the level i feel like that allowed them to do a pretty um a pretty good way to lay out the paths of a level because you know kind of where the player's going to be
0: so let's talk about sort of a bigger design thing here because I, I think this game is quite different from the first game design wise specifically when it comes to the secondary collectible the orbs the power orbs these are nine times out of ten obtained from doing tasks for NPCs. And these tasks, you know, can it entail a mini-game, they can entail, you know, helping somebody you know, the the chore or whatever. It it instead of making this game like we talked about how the platforming in the last game was kind of de-emphasized. That's even more so the case here. Like I feel like a lot of these levels are more centered around exploring and finding characters. It and it, it's quite a it is quite a controversial change so how did you feel about it because a a lot of people hate it (laughs) a lot of people do not like that at all
1: see i think it's fine i think these games while they are platformers them de-emphasizing platforming is not an issue for me like it almost feels like they want to do more of an action game than a platformer but keeping it really simple and obviously the platforming is still really good you know especially with the glide but you know having it focus on finding specific characters or just like doing a specific mini game i i didn't mind it you know it changes things up enough that the platforming doesn't feel stale you're still using your core moves it doesn't you know drastically change the control scheme all the time it does on occasion but it's not all the time so i think it i think it's a good fit it just um i could see why people wouldn't like it but i didn't have an issue with it at all
0: yeah and i mostly agree i think there are some duds in there in terms of the minigames but for the most part i i i I love it um i'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute but i even like the infamous trolley (laughs) um (laughs) the trolley eh yeah um uh, but yeah, I, I I like it. The get it speaks to to the sort of change in presentation, which I think all around is such an interesting thing. So, yeah, you know, we talked about your opinion on it, and I sprinkled mine in mostly there, so I don't have that much more to say. I I do want to talk about the presentation, though, for a minute, because I do think it is such a step up here compared to the first game. You know, it may sound silly, because ultimately it's still a goofy, dumb little platforming game, but, like, it seems like they cared a lot more about narrative (laughs) and story. Oh, for sure. And world building, right? There's a lot. There's a lot more cutscenes in here than the first games. What two?
1: Yeah, there's one at the start and end of every single level.
0: Yeah. Oh, as yeah. As well as
1: some in for the hub worlds for the main plot.
0: Yeah, and like we said, each level has their own inhabitants, their own creatures. They reference each other. They are aware of the other levels. You made references to it earlier, but two of the levels are at war with each other, which is probably my favorite interaction between them. You know, Spyro is a. Both sides there, I guess. <laughs>
1: Whoever's going to give him a talisman. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, what of the, you know, enemies from one of the levels end up coming over to another one. Like it is very fun in that way. And Insomniac, man, they continue to impress with how many different character models they're able to squeeze into levels. Like between the different NPCs and the different enemies, like there's so much there, uh, you know, it, especially for the original PlayStation game. It's incredibly impressive what they were able to do
1: yeah because there's at least like what between two and four different enemies for each level they're all unique but there's two or four variants two to four and then there's also an npc model for that world that doesn't show up in any of the other worlds at least one if not more and i mean in reignited especially they're all unique so like that's impressive already but yeah for the ps1 to put in that work for something that they really didn't have to to be honest like they could have made it all the same fawns for every level but i appreciate that they didn't and yeah to be fair there are some levels that use the same like villager model that then has different clothes or aesthetic to it but like i i still think that's fair and it it speaks to how much care was put into the aesthetic and just the game as a whole
0: yeah, well and even the ones like that do that still have different contextual stuff. Like, you know, I you know, I, I bet you're referencing Skeeless Badlands and uh Crystal Glacier, right? Like with the you know, with the skeleton caveman dudes. Um uh, but they reference each other, like it, it feels very much like like these levels know each other and they visit each other and it it really does a lot for the world building and for the world feeling all connected and even they connected even back to the dragon realms from the first game which i think is yeah you're right unnecessary but greatly appreciated i think it's great and it's like like there's you know uh, i don't think platformers like this would really start doing this until the ps2 era you know i think about when i think about stuff like this i think about mario sunshine and sly cooper and jack and dexter and ratchet and clink you know but like like, from this era, you think about Mario 64 and how segregated all that stuff feels.
1: Which, to be fair, and I was thinking about this, this game came out in 1999, um, Spyro 3 in 2000. Like, that's very late in the PS1's life oh, cycle. Yeah. Um, so you could kind of tell that they were... They knew what would work on the original PlayStation. They were kind of pushing it to its limits by that point. But um, you compare this to something like Crash, which is you know a lot more simple in terms of design like it has more complex environments but it's also a fixed camera angle so they can manage that but even still they reuse a lot of enemies and they have similar character models and whatnot whereas this is like a lot more ambitious not to say that crash is simple or bad like those games are still really impressive yeah but you could see that they knew what the playstation one was capable of
0: yeah and it's just like well and some of this stuff i don't even think is technology based i just think it's like design and you know world consideration which i think is like kind of amazing and brilliant
1: yeah because you have to you have to think about you know what kind of characters would fit in what environment and then you have to do a whole like design sheet for that character and figure out how they animate and what their environment looks like and how that ties to other levels like it's a lot of work to do but man it really adds to the charm of this game
0: yeah, and like I said, I think the next game that would rival it would be Mario Sunshine. <laughs> like, you know, where you could see other levels from different areas, and like, I just I think that's really cool. Yeah. So anyway, you can probably tell I'm quite positive on this game. I I think I you know go back and forth between which one of these is my favorite all the time. I I think you know Spiral One's probably just straight up better because it doesn't it doesn't have quite as many lows with the mini games and stuff. But I still think this game is quite great.
1: One is consistent, but two, I feel like takes bigger swings. And when those land, they really land.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we talked about the sort of level intro cutscenes you get. And, you know, each level has like a little mini narrative that you're helping out the inhabitants with. Uh, and you get a little outro cutscene, which, by the way, a lot of those end in death. <laughs>
1: yeah, like 80% of the intro or outro cutscenes end in something dying. <laughs> And a couple of the
0: rigged ones actually soften the blow a little bit <laughs> in the original game. Oof, brutal. <laughs> they're, they're always killing the cute little NPCs. You know, they're they're goofy. They're fun. Yeah, but I, the main narrative I think is great too. Uh, I love Ripto so much.
1: Oh yeah, he's really charming. And like, um, in the first game, you know, he had nasty Nork, but he shows up in the intro cutscene, and then you fight his some of his minions throughout. And then you see him at the end, and that's about it. This one, Ripto shows up like a lot and just kind of is a more present antagonist in the game. You know, he does more to actively antagonize Spyro and the crew and, you know, steal stuff from them and whatnot. But yeah, he has a lot of lines and a lot of great moments, and he's a very fun villain. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I love him so much. I, I just love Little Angry Man. He's so angry all the time. He's great. Yeah, I think his voice acting is really fun. He's you know, cartoony villain. I he's definitely out there as one of my favorites. You know, I, I like Alora a lot in this game. I like her redesign. I think she's great. Oh, this is the introduction of Hunter, who's a fan favorite character. Hunter uh, sucks butts. <laughs> <laughs> he's an asshole. He he knows you're trying to stop his world from being taken over, but yet he still makes you do a bunch of dumb mini games and tasks to to get the orbs you need.
1: Well who else is gonna test out his new boat?
0: <laughs> it's like Bruh, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's on your side in collecting the orbs, but he doesn't really give them up very easily. <laughs> you know, do my chores. <laughs> do my chores. <laughs> Help like... me get these monkeys. <laughs> like,
0: Bruh, come on. <laughs> Come on, but but he's fun. You know the professor is also great. Um, and, and I just gotta like this level of production values. I I really appreciate reignited's um reinterpreted cutscenes here. They do a lot of like different camera movements and different things to you know make the action look more interesting and appealing. Whereas a lot of the PS one one ones, it's, you know, the characters standing around a lot talking, which you know makes sense for the time. Uh, so big shout out to reignited on that. I think those cutscenes look great for what they're what they're trying to do and yeah overall this presentation is great i think the biggest gripe i have with this game honestly it's specifically reunited it's a very specific one but the original game has you know kind of a it has a problem with one of the levels um and and you know this even though i warned you with fractured hills
1: oh yeah you did warn me
0: (laughs) yeah i did warn you so i you know this is on you um
1: yeah no that's fair
0: there's a minigame in there where you have to defend um an alchemist who doesn't know where he's going for some reason. <laughs>
1: Even though it's like one turn and he could be there, but no, he has to go around the whole area. All right. But you
0: basically it's to defend these from these invincible enemies um as they try to hit him. And the the second minigame, there's a second part to it. But you need the head bash move, which you cannot get to get to the next world, which is fine, right? It's part of that backtracking we mentioned earlier. Fine, I'll get the head bash, come back and finish this up. Uh, But for some reason in the original game, when you did that, you have to redo that entire first minigame. And, you know, it sucks there, whatever. I do think it is kind of egregious that we didn't fix that. (laughs) Like, you had an opportunity to make this better and you didn't. (laughs) I think it is my biggest issue.
1: It's, like, really simple, I think. <laughs> like, I feel like it would be a simple fix, too, where you don't even need to, like, do a unique trigger or whatever. Just make it so that the brick around Hunter's feet could be broken with the head bash. <laughs> like, that's all you needed to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's, it's a weird decision.
1: Yeah, Dustin warned me about that way in advance, and I still did it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to talk about that before we get to the you know, spoiler section, just so... If you all are trying to play this game, just just give you a warning, once you get to Fractured Hills, don't bother with the Alchemist minigame until you get the head bash. It'll make your life a you'll do it twice. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and as before, I really like Reignited's redesigns of enemies and, you know, ideas. I think they're great. All right. Uh, unless you have anything else to say. Music's still great, by the way. Stuart Coprin, still killing it.
1: Oh, yeah, still crushing it. Does he do three as well? Yes, he does. Okay, yeah, no, it's probably going to be great there, too. <laughs> good job, Stuart Copeland.
0: Yep, good stuff. Um.
1: Um. I liked the arrangements in Reignited as well. I've, I noticed the dynamicism of them more in this playthrough than when I played one. It's a nice touch. I don't know if it's something that, like, it's one of those things that they didn't need to add, but I do enjoy how it, like, tones down when you're not really doing things, and then it ramps up when you're charging or fighting things, so yeah, yeah it's good
0: stuff. Smart, little additions um you know adding a little more percussion when you're charging and stuff it it's it's cool yeah just don't play the japanese version <laughs>
1: <laughs> well
0: yeah obviously <laughs> it's the worst version of spyro 2 <laughs> okay so let's talk some spoilers i guess i don't know whatever She's still here you know you know the game these are dumb little platformers there's a little bit more story here but like we're just gonna get more specific now so as we talked about before what was your favorite level
1: oh see some of uh, all of these are really fun uh the ones that stand out to me are um not as my favorite but one as i remembered was aquaria towers mainly because it has a lot of swimming (laughs) and as (laughs) i said i did not like that one um fracture hills was cool i liked how it opened up especially oh yeah um my favorites are probably um i think sunny beach and robotica farms oh i love robotica farms (laughs) and colossus also that one's good
0: Oh, yeah, Colossus is also great. Yeah, I I think for me, it's always like, like I mentioned in the first episode, I'm always going to like remember the first level because that's the one I definitely spent the most time in as a kid. So like Glibber, I think rules.
1: Yeah, There's no real bad level in this game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I think people have negative thoughts about Fractured Hills because of that glitch. But yeah,
1: and the trolley (laughs) and the trolley.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Breeze Harbor. Yeah, I really like Liber though, and I really like the world building of like this is where they're getting their gyms. They're mining it here. I think that's fun. And the giant ones all over the place. Um
1: Um, shout out to Metropolis though. That one reminded me a lot of Crash Three. But Oh yeah,
0: um, that like nineteen fifties retro future.
1: Yeah, but it has like the robot dudes and the elevators and I I thought that one was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, those those guys are cute. The support pigs.
1: Those poor pigs and Rockets the cows in the sp- the spacesuits.
0: I love that they're from Robotica Farms. <laughs> the only it happens like the <laughs> they escaped stupid
1: animals. It's great they're fighting against the robot overlords. It's you really go adorable. animals.
0: <laughs> I also love the farber robots from Robotica Farms. <laughs> yes, I love the design, especially in Reunited. Um, they're adorable. Yeah, Glimmer is probably the standout for me, but I also love uh, skillless skillless Badlands. I think that level's really cool. Um especially for a lava level i think it's it stands on its own which is nice
1: yeah and i love how the power up is the like super armor so once you unlock that you can use it to explore areas that were lava and you would have died yeah it's,
0: it's fun it's a fun twist it also has one of my favorite achievements of the game which is like the npc at the end um you know one of them tell is at the end of the beginning who tells you i bet my brother you would you would get scorched in this level or whatever anyway what are the achievements to get through it without getting without uh getting scorched which i think is fun yeah that level's great
1: uh the other thing that returns from spiral one is the flying levels yeah um these ones are a lot more interesting i think um they're still fairly obvious as to like the path you need to take but i think visually they're just more interesting to me they seem a little more chaotic and they have a little obviously they fit into the world building so that's a plus two but
0: yeah they also include npcs and
1: yeah so like revisiting them and then seeing like exploring it like you would a normal level only just faster and with flying i think that's also really great so
0: yeah also shout out to them allowing you to supercharge on any surface on those levels i think it again opens up that level design and you know allows you to transition from charging to flying in those levels to get all the guys i think that's great
1: yeah well and it's like i one did this too where there's like a track that goes through it where there's people on cars or trains or whatever so and being able to run on the track and just run into them rather than flying and trying to flame on time i found that really satisfying too
0: yeah totally um, and, 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 and like I said, exploring those levels and trying to find it—you know, you always sort to find Hunter to do to do another little mini game. But I think that you know that emphasizes the exploration aspect of Spyro, which is nice, and I, I think is is a good good thing. I so we talked about the hub worlds of the last game and we praised them for basically being more levels. This what goes back to a more traditional idea of what a hub world is, um, which is kind of a calm, safe space. Uh, But I also like that (laughs) it's a weird thing where I don't know which approach I like better, but I like the ambient nature of these hub worlds. I think they're pleasant to be in, which, again, I think reinforces the world building of Avalar as being a a nice place before Ripto came along and started, you know, his chaos. (laughs) Maybe unless you live in Zephyr or Breeze Harbor. Those places don't seem like good places. But (laughs) other than that, I I think it's a I think it's nice. And I think those hub worlds are just really fun to explore. They're the only places where you can find orbs out in the open. And uh, the second hub world, Autumn Plains, has the best um, the best glide in the entire game.
1: Oh, is that the one where you go from the top of the castle?
0: Yeah, so cool.
1: Yeah, that one was a little tricky because you have to break in a wall to get to the lift point. And Reignited, it's like fairly obvious if you're looking for it, but if you just sprint past it like I did, I could not find it. <laughs>
0: boy did that blow my mind as a kid <laughs> that was such a cool thing and then, yeah gliding across the entire level to get to that one orb super satisfying yeah so okay all right let's get into it what was your least favorite mini game side activity thing
1: and why is it the trolley um <laughs> is it the trolley the the trolley is fairly infamous through this game um For good reason, I think the it's stupidly precise (laughs) and requires a lot of like just planning or like foresight to be able to translate obstacles into your movement and then being able to execute that with good timing um it's a little finicky to control so you have to take a couple runs to get used to it even still once i was used to it there's a couple moments where like i couldn't really distinguish between the tracks of where i would merge to so i was like just going forward and then i was like okay i'll just go forward and then be on this track but then it puts me on the other one and i ran into a box and i'm like god darn i have to start the whole thing over and then the bird goes trouble with the trolley a eh, spiral <laughs> so yeah that's like the trickiest one it was satisfying to pull off but like that one's difficult
0: yeah it's one of those things it's infamous with pyro players you know everybody hates that thing but i think it's hard for me to have a perspective on because i've played it so many times that like i on ps1 i beat it first time no problem had a couple of redos when i was playing the reignited um version which is weird to me because reignited actually like slows you down when you're switching tracks like they they did some things to try to actively make it easier <laughs> but
1: Maybe you're just used reasons. to the PS1 version. That's why yeah. Maybe to that
0: could be it. What'd you think about the second, the second trolley track in Dragon Shores? <laughs> Did you end up doing that?
1: Yeah, I. Um, that one was also tricky. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I usually have more trouble with that than I do the actual. Uh, that Reese one's harbor one
1: uh, trickier because that one just blindsides you with obstacles. <laughs> yeah, a it turn does, a corner turn and there's a corner. A, there's a kid sitting on the track for no reason. You're like, ah, baby God. turtle. <laughs> Get out of the track,
0: idiot <laughs>
1: Who's running this roller coaster anyway that there's cars coming at you on the track? <laughs> it's
0: stupid. Shout out to Dragon Shores, though, while we're there. It's definitely not nasty salute from the first game. I don't even think it's close as a hundred percent bonus, but I like it. I like that it's there. I also like speaking of the world building. I like that the the norks, you know, apparently after you defeat Nasty, they're just like throw up their arms and they're like, okay you know we'll hang out we'll work here <laughs> um,
1: we'll get an honest job we swear
0: yeah i i i enjoy that quite a bit I, I think it's fun i think the minigames are just goofy dump you know getting to dunk the npcs in the in the water and the, going on the like like boats and you end up with a random npc it's cute
1: you can get infinite super flame here but then it doesn't transfer anywhere <laughs> so it
0: does um if you start a new file you get it so oh, okay it, does technically have a weird version of a new game plus um which is it is fun to play the game like that because you can destroy like all the tough enemies like the metal sharks in aquaria towers and the earth shapers in uh fractured hills and the other one the volcano level i can't never remember the name of yeah you can destroy um, them with that flame breath
1: yeah that's not scorch is it magma core that's what it is yeah and of course one of my favorites too you know, that was the party. one where the latter issue was the most evident, but oh, still yeah, it still wasn't too bad. But yeah,
0: it, it's fun to play the game like that. My only issue with it is I wish it was more of a true new, new game plus and you got all your abilities. I think oh, be it takes fun. away like your head Yeah, You still have it. to go to money bags every time, which is a bummer. I, I think that could have been nice, a nice addition for Reignited. Um, it, it, that works, by the way, in the original PS1 version too, if you want to play through the game with Super Breath. But still cool that it's there.
1: What did you think of the boss fights?
0: I like them. They're super simple. <laughs> but they are more traditional boss-like. I think, you know, back in the day, that was the criticism for Spyro. What is the bosses were not actual bosses? They were just platforming levels. Which, you know, weirdly, I think I actually, honestly prefer. I'd rather get a level that's tailored to that boss than the actual fight itself. But overall, I think the bosses are fine. Did you have any trouble with Gulp?
1: Uh, Yeah, I had some trouble with gulp um i yes the bosses are simple but they're engaging enough where they have different like projectiles and you use different moves to shoot them at the at the boss so like specifically in gulp's case there's sometimes hunter will drop barrels and sometimes he'll drop rockets or so like the rockets you can grab and then shoot or the barrels you have to charge into so you're kind of on your toes thinking about what you can do and then also the bosses can go for those things too, so you have to make sure you get it away from them in time before they use it against you.
0: Um I think it's the reason why people don't like that gulp fight, but I love that he can eat the fodder enemies and gain a health point back. So it kind of forces yeah, like, you to oh be active. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I think they're cool. I think they're really engaging and they're miles better than the first game. Um in terms of like I honestly think that you don't need like even if they still had the boss levels from one where it's just a platforming stage with like one enemy that follows you through, I think that would work, but the fact that there's only three of these bosses and they are miles better than nasty nork in the first game are is a plus in my book
0: yeah uh yeah i- ag- I agree with that it, And yeah and I, I also just really love the cutscenes the beginning and ending of those um. <laughs> My favorite one is where Spyro sleeps for approximately half a second.
1: And then he's like, oh, no, wait, I still have to do things. It's weird. It's dumb. But, yeah,
0: I love how Spyro's always coming up behind Ripto and he's running away from him. It's it's always cute and he's always so angry. Yeah. I love it.
1: And the final battle against Ripto is also pretty climactic and really cool.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the final battle. Um, And, you know, I think it does a good job of, like, giving you a brand new thing but also not making that new thing feel super gimmicky um where you're collecting the the orbs again to get you know, to power you up and two of those power ups are just like the super flame and the charge which are great and then another one's like an alternate version of the super flame it's green but i i think it it works for that battle and it feels like an extension of the move set will also not feel weird and then even the final phase of getting to fly around i i think it works within the limitations of spyro it's not like they threw it at uh let's say it turret segment or something like that you know
1: yeah it's an extension of what spiral could already do
0: which is yeah which is always like it is good that we're talking about this because i feel like with platforming games in particular boss fights are typically the weak links <laughs> so i i don't feel like that's the case here at all i feel like they they work pretty well
1: yeah i found um, them to be pretty enjoyable they are the like the hardest thing in the game <laughs> because yes. this game still is pretty easy but they're they're not unwelcome
0: yeah uh, i'd say the worst one actually and it's well, that isn't listed here, but like the the ox fight in uh Tarpaulet City sucks.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that dude. The, yeah, that one's rough.
0: That's probably my least favorite um mini game thing, by the way. Because really you're on ice the one. whole time. You're on ice. You shoot bombs at him, but the bombs kind of wild. There's also an achievement in there for not getting hit, which makes it worse. <laughs> I think.
1: Um, yeah, I didn't go after those, so.
0: I did, by the way, hundred percent on Steam. <laughs> um, yeah that's probably my least favorite like mini game thing uh in the in the entire package any other favorite moments or characters or anything like that
1: um no i think that's that about does it i really enjoyed this game you know other than the swimming and reignited i think this is um a step up from the first game which is what you like to see in a sequel
0: (laughs) yeah i think it's nice and i think it adds a lot to the world and to the characters and it, it it does a lot for it and i think that that's yeah like you said it's always good to see that
1: really curious as to what three brings though well
0: we will have to see next time um uh, do you have any predictions i'm actually curious
1: oh for three yeah uh it'll be gimmick year <laughs> i think i just know that already but it's gonna be way gimmick year
0: yeah it will be a little more gimmick here. um you know they kind of it kind of follows the same trajectory as like crash Bandicoot did <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot of charm to three, so it, it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, As always... Our sources are in the description. I do highly recommend people check out the link to both the Canadian guy, a video, which is top 10 spiral facts. You never knew. Um, it's quite good. And there is actually new information in there because again, he actually interviewed, uh, the original character designer from two. So, you know, a plus, thank you for doing some due diligence. <laughs> um,
1: can and you if tell you tell I'm check mad out... at the internet, <laughs> can you tell <laughs> cite your sources? um the if you want to check out that u.s playstation magazine i found an archived version of it it came out i believe a month before the game and it's talking with the developers on how they designed making a sequel and how they designed spyro so that was that's an interesting read if you're curious
0: yeah for sure um i also put in here the uh, let's play of the japanese version um it's a playlist so it has so it you know it has a bunch of different stuff in there you just skip around to see what it's like it's it's bizarre it's worth looking at um and then i put the spyro reimagining a legend panel at san diego comic-con 2018 which i thought was quite good and definitely worth your time you know lots of cool people on there and then also and it's not in here yet connor so i'll put it in here um i'm gonna put some commercials in here because those are really fun (laughs) for the original release um, oh i love to see classic, classic commercials. Platforming commercials you gotta feel bad for the snowman <laughs> it's very fun um so yeah that was spyro 2 next time we will be talking about spyro year of the dragon uh no no number on this one again much like crash bandicoot they said no numbers <laughs> we don't do this
1: we do what we do the original we do two and then we do a third game
0: a third game so yes year of the dragon is that game um is available in the reignited trilogy or on the original playstation release uh, which you can get on psn so if you want to go that route it is available if you add a ps3 or psp unfortunately not on vita which is frustrating you know for the 12 of us that care long live the vita
1: vita means life
0: so yeah we'll see you in two weeks hopefully if i get the editing done in time you can find us at save Station pod on twitter we'll give you show updates and let you know what's happening
1: let you know if the episode's late for any reason we'll post it there
0: yeah once again connor runs that account so big shout out to him for that uh connor where can the people find you on
1: twitter uh you can find me at conifer ssr you can witness me have trouble with the trolley sometimes where can they find you dustin
0: they can find me at dustin h dragon on twitter thank you for listening and please remember to always be good to each other
1: Yeah, and take care.
0: Bye.